0: Today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week we began our series entitled, The Armor of God. And we learned three things in that first installment of the series. First, we learned that this is not our armor. And that if we are to stand, we're going to stand in the power of God's might. Not our own. The second thing we learned is that there are real enemies we'll face along the way. Spiritual hosts of wickedness the Bible says. But we also heard that those enemies are destined for defeat. In the power of God against enemies who are destined for defeat, the final thing we learned was that our God calls us to stand. Stand. To stand against hate and for love. Against division And four, unity. Stand. Today, we are moving on to examine the first two elements of the armor of God the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Along the way, we're going to have kind of a formula three questions we ask of each item. First, what was the function of this item for a soldier in the first century? Why did the soldier need a belt or a breastplate? Secondly, why does Paul link that particular piece of armor to that spiritual virtue? In other words, why is it the belt of truth and not the belt of joy? What was the function for the soldier? Why does Paul link that particular piece of armor with that spiritual virtue? And and finally, how do we as followers of Christ today equip this piece of armor in our lives. So let's begin by examining the belt of truth. This is a picture of a belt, a replica of one that would have been worn by a Roman soldier in the first century. You'll note that the belt is fairly wide, and there's a reason for that. It does Two important things. One, the belt allows the soldier a degree of mobility. What do you mean? Well, if you go back to the scripture passage and you hear Paul say that we need to put on the belt of truth, the best translation of that is Paul is saying we need to gird our loins with truth. Now, we don't use that language of girding our loins very often. What does it mean? Uh, most of the folks in the ancient Near East wore robes, tunics, things that weren't terribly conducive to great mobility. But when it was time for them to become increasingly mobile, what they would do is they would reach back, they'd grab the back half of their robe, and they would tuck it in the front of their belt. It was called girding their loins. We see this actually in the book of Exodus, when God is preparing God's people to leave The land of Egypt and begin their journey to the promised land. God is calling them to do it with haste. So God says, gird your loins, get ready to run. The belt for a soldier enabled the soldier to become agile, to go from wearing a robe or a tunic to wearing basically shorts, created agility. But here's the second thing. The belt also created a degree of stability for the rest of the armor. What does that mean? Well, The breastplate that we'll talk about in just a moment was held in place at the bottom by the belt. So if I wasn't wearing a belt, my breastplate would begin to move around, which is not something that you would want in battle. And there is just one final ancillary piece to note about the importance of the belt for a soldier. For a soldier in the ancient Near East, the belt is where they would clip their sword Or their dagger. So we put all this together, here's what we find about the importance of a belt for a soldier in the ancient Near East. One, it helped them to be agile. Two, it provided a framework to help secure the rest of the armor, and three, gave them a place to keep their sword. Without the belt, the soldier becomes immobile, the rest of their armor becomes unwieldy, and their weapons fall to the ground. In short, without the belt, The soldier is not going to be terribly effective. So the next question is, why does Paul call the belt in the spiritual arm of God, God, why does Paul call it the belt of truth? Well, I want to suggest this. I want to suggest that like a belt, the truth surrounds us as people of faith. And that if we're not clear about the most basic truths of our faith, we are in big trouble. Truth surrounds us. It provides a framework for the rest of our armor. Truth, like a belt, helps keep everything in the armor held together. We'll talk more about this as we move through that third question which is this. How do we equip ourselves? How do we equip ourselves with the belt of truth? Well, we find truth in its purest sense in Scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17, that God's word... Is truth. In fact, one of the things that we see Jesus doing in the course of his life is using the truth of God to combat the lies that would come at him. You remember in the story of Christ's temptation, after 40 days of fasting, hungry and tired, Jesus is put to a test. And the first thing the devil says is, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says back to the devil, Man shall not live by bread alone, it is written, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil takes him up on top of the temple. And the devil was wily. (laughs) The devil actually used Scripture out of context to try and tempt Jesus. Throw yourself off the temple, the devil said. It's written. But God will give God's angels charge over you. Your heel won't even strike the stone below. And Jesus comes back and says, it is also written, do not put the Lord, that God, to the test. Finally, the devil, of course, tries to, to help Jesus avoid the cross. You don't need to go to that silly cross. I'll just give you the kings of the earth if you worship me. And Jesus responds with scripture. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If we are to stand, If we are to stand against the lies that are hurled at us almost every day, almost in every way, if we are going to stand against the lies that are hurled at us in our lives, we need to know the truth of God found in scripture because telling ourselves lies, accepting the lies that others would tell us about ourselves can lead to destruction and there are a lot of lies out there. One of the ones I come into contact most frequently with is the lie that people tell themselves when they tell themselves that they're not lovable, that they're not worthy of love. In all manner of ways, Scripture combats that line, but the most famous... so when the Scripture tells us God so loved the world, the whole world, that He gave His only Son. Not only are we loved, we are loved desperately by God. Another lie that we often hear I often hear is people saying, I'm unforgivable. Pastor, you don't know what I did. You can't imagine what I did. Unforgivable. Psalm five says this. You, Lord, are forgiving... And good, abounding in love to all who call to you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we confess, God forgives because God's love and grace is big enough to do that. And it's a lie any we try to tell ourselves that God doesn't have that powerful of grace. From time to time, I will encounter people who will say, The lie to themselves in my presence that their lives are over. That they've just had too many mistakes and wasted too many chances. But in Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes these words. He says, if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old has gone, the new has come. My point, brothers and sisters is that we are going to encounter lie after lie after lie in this world. How do we combat it? We learn the truth. A man by the name of Thomas Rice wrote these words. He said, The reason many Christians today are ineffective in their Christian life and spiritual warfare is because they have not committed themselves fully to the Word of God, which alone is sufficient to prepare us for every situation in life. Do you have a steady diet of Scripture in your life? Statistics will say most of us don't. A study published last year said fewer than one-third of Christians actually read their Bibles daily. Brothers and sisters, there are lies out there. They're all around us. God has given us the gift of the truth, the gift that allows us to stand up against the falsehoods we'll encounter. Test me on this. Read your Bible this week. You can start right here in the book of Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians chapter one, read one chapter a day and see how that steady diet of scripture impacts your life in a positive manner. Test me on this. Surrounding ourselves with truth Defends us against lies. Helps keep our lives in balance. It's the belt of truth. That's how we equip ourselves with it. Now let's talk for a moment about the breastplate of righteousness. This is a picture of a replica of a Roman breastplate. Now, oftentimes when we think about breastplates and armor, we think about solid sheets of metal, um, like medieval armor. Well, that armor was most often used by folks who were mounted, who didn't need to be terribly mobile of their own accord. Roman soldiers, soldiers in the first century, didn't have that luxury. In fact, some sources talked about their mobility to the point that they had to be willing, had to be able to travel in their full armor as far as 24 miles in the course of five hours. That's moving quick, church. And so... For most of the soldiers, what they used, instead of a solid piece of metal, was a series of strips of metal that were tied together by leather. It was flexible and light enough to be functional. And the chief mechanism behind, the chief reason behind the breastplate was to protect the vital organs of the chest cavity, namely the heart and the lungs. Because if those were pierced the soldier would no longer be effective. So then the question becomes why why does Paul link the breastplate to righteousness? Well, remember that the truth is about knowing the truth of God. The belt of truth is about knowing the truth of God. And one could say that the breastplate of righteousness is about putting that truth into action. That righteousness, by very definition, is truth in action. And there's a big difference between knowing the truth and putting it into practice. A lot of people know the truth and choose not to put it into practice. One great case for this are the Pharisees. They knew so much truth, so much scripture, but they chose not to truly Act on it. Just as the actual breastplate on a soldier protects his or her heart or lungs or other vital organs, so the breastplate of righteousness, the practical holiness of a life lived in obedience to God, is what protects our heart as a Christian. And here's the final and important question about it How do we equip ourselves? With the breastplate of righteousness. Well, first, I want to make sure we understand that there are two types of righteousness we could consider. The first we could call passive righteousness. And it's passive because on on our end, all we can do is receive it. Of course, I'm talking about the righteousness that God imputes to us from Jesus Christ. That when we accept Christ as our Savior, God clothes us in the righteousness of Christ, such that when God looks at us, God sees not our sin, but Christ's. Righteousness. That's a passive righteousness from our perspective, because all I can do is accept it. But there is another type of righteousness. Uh, opposite of passive righteousness, it's active righteousness. It's this righteousness that we live out. It's the righteousness that causes us to take our stand. Active righteousness. How do we become more actively righteous in our lives? We could say, well, just act better. Good luck. (laughs) Many of us have tried to do this on our own. No. How do we truly become righteous? The answer, my friends, is that we find ourselves in greater proximity to the one who is righteous. For when we spend more time Close to the presence of God, we will become more righteous. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says it this way. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What is that saying? It's saying that as we move closer to God, we are being transformed from glory into glory. We are being made increasingly, really, actively more righteous as we move into greater proximity to God. To become righteous, I need to be closer to the one who is righteous. So we could recap today by saying this. How do I grow in knowledge of the truth? The answer is, I study the Bible. I study Scripture. Or I find beautiful truths about myself and the world, and yes, about our great God. How do we find truth we study Scripture? Well, how do we find greater righteousness? It's not just by acting better. We can't do that, or we would. How do we truly find greater righteousness? The answer to that is... We pray. We pray. If we want to be those who live out truth in the form of righteousness in this world, we must be close to the one who makes us righteous. And there is simply no substitute for prayer. It is that thing which draws us close and transforms us by being in the presence of God. Last week, We described it as spiritual osmosis. You might say, Pastor, I don't always know how to pray, like the words to say. But there's a guy by the name of Richard Stubbs that he very famously said, God can pick sense out of a confused prayer. If we want to draw closer to God, pray. If we want to be more righteous, pray. Pray. We want to finally experience peace. Pray. If we are at enmity with another, William Law said, there is nothing that can make us love a man so much as praying for him. We want the world to change. Pray. That's not all we do. We must take our stand, but we first must pray. man remember the name of Sid Lo Baxter said this. I loved it. He said, the world may spurn our appeals reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our person, but it is helpless against our prayers. The story is told that soon after some of the beautiful people of Africa were converted to Christianity, they were earnest in their regular private devotions. And each one of them Maintained their own individual spot in the bush where he or she would pour out their heart to God. Over time, the people went to their paths so frequently that the grass formed a dirt path for them. Became well-worn. And as a result, If one of those believers began to neglect their prayer lives, it soon became apparent to everyone else. And someone in the village would kindly remind the one who had been negligent, brother, the grass grows on your path. Does grass grow on your path? We have the tremendous gift of being able to commune with the creator of all the universe. And so often, we choose not to. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, one thing we could do right now, this moment, is we could pull out our phones. And we could set a regular alarm. Whatever time makes sense for you, maybe it's early in the morning, maybe it's late at night, maybe it's lunchtime, set an alarm. Covenant to pray once a day. How do we do that? Just three simple steps. Thank God for your gifts. Confess to God your sin. And let God know your needs. Thanksgiving, confession, needs. And then just listen to what God has to say. My brothers and sisters, there is a real war being fought out there and it's not a war of bullets or it's not a war of flesh or of blood, Paul says, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly realms. And the living God has prepared us the living God has prepared us to stand against the lies in this world by regularly hearing the truth from God's own scripture. God has prepared us to protect our hearts by living that truth out in active righteousness. How? By staying close to God. My prayer for you this day is that the truth of Christ will surround you and the presence of of Christ will help all of us live righteously in such a way that brings glory to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for the belt of truth and the breastplate, the protection of your righteousness. God, we pray this day that. You will inspire each of us to hear the truth behind our lives and existence. The truth that we learn only from engaging regularly in your scripture. God, I pray that you would help us to become more actively righteous by staying close to you. Spending time with our great God in prayer and communion. Thank you, Lord for the ways that you prepare us. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance of victory you give to us. May we truly, truly, truly equip ourselves with your armor. May we stand strong in the power of your might and bring glory to your holy name. In Christ we pray. Amen.